Empire Builders. This is Kimberly Bonner with Business Scale Insights. So today is Friday, and so you know what that means. It means it's time for Friday Focus, where I highlight other podcasters and do interviews and highlight news and information that you need to know. Well, since today is Friday and it's Friday Focus, I am so honored and pleased to interview none other than Mr. Brian Fanzo. If you are involved in social media marketing on any level or networking within the social media realm, you know Brian Fanzo. He goes by the name iSocialFans on almost all of his social media accounts. He is an avid tweeter. He is involved on almost every social media platform I know of. And when I first started getting involved with social media at all, uh, maybe like in a serious way with my business, maybe four years ago, Brian's name was one of the first that I came across. His account was one of the first that I came across and he has never ceased to just, just, just do great work and provide great insight. Brian calls himself a proud pager wearing millennial. He is a keynote speaker and founder and CEO of iSocialFans, a social strategy consulting agency. Brian also hosts two podcasts. So he's a wonderful uh, person to have uh, today to discuss podcasting, Smack Talk podcast and the FOMO Fans podcast. Brian's Think Like a Fan philosophy has powered first of their kind storytelling campaigns for many Fortune 550 enterprise companies leveraging Periscope, Snapchat, and Facebook Live under the username iSocialFans. Brian was awarded the top 25 business leaders of 2014 by the Economist Intelligence Unit. Can I talk this morning? And was nominated for the first ever Shorty Awards Periscoper of the Year 2016. So I am just delighted to have Brian Fanzo with us today. Hello, Brian. Hi, Kim. Awesome. It worked. Yay. <laughs> Yay for technology. <laughs> I know, I know. This is the first time I'm actually re- doing the, using the recording with friends kind of new update on anchor so um if if i sound a little apprehensive that's the reason why but i wanted to just launch into the interview with you because i know you have limited time and i do want to appreciate your time and i'm just really 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 thankful um that you made time in your hectic schedule to talk to me and the members of our community the podcast community to get a little bit of a better idea of who you are and what you do and um, how people can work with you and also um, friends in the industry. So I would just like to start out with the first question. You know, you have this wonderful um, company. I've already uh, sent out podcast details about, you know, your company and what you do. Tell us a little bit more about the work and um, your background and what led you to do this type of work. 
Sure. So, um, so interestingly enough, you know, I, I like to say, you know, I play in the digital marketing space today, but I've never actually had a job in a marketing department. And uh, I have a background, a computer science background. I worked for the Department of Defense um, here in Northern Virginia. I worked uh, out of the Pentagon for about nine years um, in cybersecurity. And my job was to get the uh, Army and the Navy to share cybersecurity policies or the Marine Corps and the Air Force. So anybody that thinks they had a hard job with collaboration, uh, <laughs> I, I will challenge them that my job was harder. <laughs> and um, and I fell in love with collaboration, just the idea of you know the technology behind it, the tools involved, what it takes to make that happen. Uh, I left the government space. I went to a uh, a data center company where I became the technology evangelist, which really meant I got to do all of the fun sales and marketing things without having uh, KPIs or things over my head. So I reported to our CEO. I had a dotted line to the CIO and to the CMO. And so it was it was a really powerful role for me. And what I found was so much of what I loved about marketing was kind of a, a combination of community collaboration and then helping not only the marketing teams, but also our clients and customers embrace change. And so that's, I, I've been an entrepreneur now for almost five years. Um, I left that space. And, and now I would say a majority of my, um, I'd say a high percentage of my business is actually uh, speaking. I do a lot of um, keynote speeches. I did uh, 50 and, or a little over 50 in 11 countries last year. Uh, this wow. year, yeah, this year I'll do probably closer to, uh, 35 to 40 um, in seven countries, and and the, the speaking is my it's my zen place. I, I'm I absolutely love being able to um, go on stage, share stories, talk about what I do, and then I also work with brands um, on a contractual basis to build strategies around um, emerging media. So if you think of it from Instagram stories to creating a podcast or creating a Snapchat campaign or launching the very first Facebook Live or Periscope. Um, so I try to help, you know, build a strategy for brands to embrace the newer side of marketing to hopefully complement the older school version of, of some of the marketing things they do today. So I, I do a little bit of that. And then I also host two podcasts myself. Um, I host one called Smack Talk, which stands for Social Mobile Analytics and Cloud. I like to say it's my geeky podcast where we uh, currently, it's sponsored by SAP, and we do a lot of talk about emerging technologies and, and things that are kind of impacting the enterprise. And then my other podcast is a solo show called FOMO Fans, which stands for the, the fear of missing out. And uh, my goal on that show is uh, for 35 minutes a week, I try to cure the audience's fear of missing out by talking about new things, new technology, new tools, new apps, and things that can uh, make their lives easier. So between the podcast, speaking, and then uh, some consulting on the side of strategy, that's that's kind of how my business is run today. And uh, I can say in the five years I've been an entrepreneur, I've pivoted that business model probably 11 times. So, <laughs> so I'm still figuring out uh, exactly the best way to, to scale and make things work. But for, for today, as of this moment, that's kind of the current plan. Well, you know, that's a typical kind of startup um, situation. So you are not alone. It happens It happens to the best of us. Um, but I wanted to, I, first of all, I'm amazed that you even have time <laughs> to do anything uh, because you're all over. So talk about someone having an omni-channel presence. 
you definitely uh, embody that. And it's amazing how you're able to do what you do. Uh, But I wanted to kind of pivot back to something that you said about kind of teaching older companies how to work with new technology. And one thing I deal with on a regular basis are franchise companies, uh, both startup franchise companies and older, more established franchise companies. And many of them are struggling to reach younger people. They're struggling to reach and Gen Zers. And uh, the bottom line is they have their heads around social, believe it or not. And uh, how do you how do you deal with older brands trying to make this transition <laughs> into the 21st century and speak the language of their younger uh, consumers using social media? So that, this is probably that, this is this is majority of my job. And this is probably my favorite thing to be able to do. It's it's really majority of people they'll come to me saying, you know, I want to use Snapchat or I need to launch on Instagram. But really, what they're saying is, I want to be cool. I want to use something on social media that's not just a Facebook page, or right. You know, I want to reach that younger demographic, and that's really what I specialize in. And what I like to talk, uh, you know, I always tell people. For me, I, I teach change, I inspire change, and I motivate change. I don't force change. Uh, I tried to right. force change for many years. Um, all that did was force a lot of no's, a lot of slam doors, and a lot of, yeah. uh, what I like to say, a lot of one-night stands with brands where <laughs> they, they, I totally you know what I mean? They, that's a, and that's a, it's, a, it's probably one of the most frustrating things is when you feel like you, yeah. you force someone to do change, they buy in. You do exactly what they want. You hit the marks that you had agreed to. And then they say, okay, go away now. Like that was too difficult. It was too scary, too risky. Right. So I, I really work to start off with when someone says they want to reach millennial and Gen Z, you know, I, I ask them, you know, why, why would millennial or Gen Z care about your product? Or what are you, what are you kind of selling or doing that would appeal to them? And, and usually their first answer is like, this is what we do. And I usually stop them right there. And I say, this is the, the new age digital consumer does not care what you do with zero care because what you do is pretty boring to them. They care about why you do what you do, how you do it, and how it's going to impact them if they buy your services or your product. And usually that's a light bulb moment because they're like, oh, so I've been broadcasting what I do, you know, at that younger demographic and no wonder they're not kind of embracing it. And let's, and let's face it, I laugh because it's not just the younger demographic that doesn't care about what it's everybody, but, yeah. but usually for brands, that's where I start. I always start. Um, what I try to do is I try to help them achieve a goal without them realizing they're using social media. And so what we'll do is we'll go in and we'll define success. And so if, if success is, you know, Hey, I would like to reach, you know, the 25 to 35 year old um, active stay at home mom. And if that's their goal in reaching that, I will work with them on building a, a, a campaign that's, okay, we know we need to create content that talks about your how and your why. Let's talk about, maybe we should do some video. And I'll walk them through this process. And then I'll, I'll kind of come back to them and say, this is how we're going to use it on Instagram. This is how we're going to use a Facebook Live. This is how we're going we're gonna to team up with an influencer to do this. And usually by that point, they're like, wait, those are things you're going to do to help us achieve this goal that we want. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, I'm in. Like, I don't have to force them to change to something new because for them, they've already bought into that goal and that success that they want to achieve. And then they're a little bit more open-minded 
to the things like social media or video. And so I, I really, it's not tricking them, but I would say I start with success in mind with people that are afraid of change, especially, you know, uh, I, my, my family has a, a little bit of history in the franchise uh, business side of the house. So I understand that side as well. And then the other part of that is I always tell, you know, I tell people that, you know, if you have younger employees, they're already on social. Like the, the great place to start is ask them if they follow your brand on Instagram or they subscribe to your email newsletter and probably more chance than not, they're going to say no, right? If they're, if they're honest. And then the, a great place to start is, well, what could we send you via email that you would, you would actually read from our brand or what would we, could we share on Instagram that, that you'd care about following? And it's amazing because majority of companies have that resource right there under their nose on their payroll. And yet they, they run around in the boardroom trying to figure out how to reach a demographic that is already on their payroll. That is so absolutely true. And it's funny, um, to a certain degree, a lot of what we're talking about is just the basics of how to market well yes. to any demographic. So to your point, you should never be just telling people what you do, but for the longest time, uh, people got away with that because they were just talking at people in a more linear kind of conversation yep. through traditional advertising and not really having a conversation with people and recognizing that this is more peer-to-peer and this is more this is more of kind of a flat or even circular approach <laughs> to uh, advertising and marketing. And a lot of larger companies have not made that shift. So you should never really be talking to people about what you do. You should be always talking to people about why you're doing what you're doing. That should be always part of your brand narrative. Uh, that's, you know why Apple's such an iconic brand before social media hit, you know, mainstream and took over the world practically. But it's amazing, Brian, how few large brands really do market well, period, and don't understand that if you were marketing well to begin with, social would not be that difficult for you. I hate to say that. It's true. It's true. And I, and I, for people that are out there, you know, sometimes they hear this and they're like, wait a second, I bought all this money into advertising and I've been broadcasting my message everywhere. I think the light bulb for us in this space didn't go off until the last couple of years. So I, always, I try to caveat this and say you weren't doing things wrong at the time, but the times have also shifted. The reason live video is so powerful right now, and it's a simple reason, is that we, we disconnected ourselves from our client and our customer. We were using social and websites and email to get further and further away and then people realize that we still buy from people that we like. We still buy from people that we have a relationship with. And on social, I mean, I, I challenge anybody. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, what's my favorite brand posted on social media? Nobody. I don't, you know, even, you know, I'm an Apple fan. I woke up this morning because the Apple, you know, iPhone X comes out today. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Instagram stories and I went to Twitter moments to check on you know, that the, uh, the iPhone release, I didn't go to the Apple website. I didn't go to the app. Well, Apple, let's face it. Apple doesn't do a great job on social, but, but I think when you look at it from a brand perspective, times have changed. It's okay to realize that you were doing it, you know, in this disruptive broadcasting, talking at uh, kind of mindset before, but it's time to shift. It's time to be, you know, human. It's time to realize that your greatest asset and the reason your company is great 
is because you have great people working for them, not because you have a great logo, and start using that to your advantage. And the amazing part about it is even using Apple as a real example, even though they have a horrible social presence, it's not about their social – they embody um, social marketing in this. Their consumers, the people who buy Apple products, are their greatest evangelists. I mean, and that's just the bottom line. That's really what you want. And that's what social should enable. So this is like old school, you know, business 101. Your, the people who buy your products should be your greatest advocates. They should be your sales force. And Apple has perfected that. For when I was in college, you didn't even want to talk to people who, you know, had Apples and Macs because they were like, they would call them the Apple cult. Yep. I mean, it would, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. how dare you? How dare you talk about anything but a, an Apple product? I mean, it was like, who? You really drank the Kool-Aid, but Apple really pioneered that kind of brand loyalty. And it's, to your point, it's that human-to-human interaction and knowing, liking, and trusting uh, an organization and their products and what they're putting out. And that just translates well on social, but it is actually platform agnostic. Could agree. All right. So my next question for you is, um, well, I kind of we kind of talked about this, but what do you think a business um, can do to attract and retain Gen Z and millennial attention, loyalty, and investment? We kind of talked about this, but are there some other kind of tricks to the trade that? people should know about businesses should know about yeah i think you know the social good element is a is a big element you know it's i i'm finishing up my first book and one of the chapters actually is is the role that social good will play in the future of marketing you know i think you know i'm a dad of three girls and um i will say that i didn't think that too much of this kind of concept of of people buying something because they have the company is doing greater good until I went and realized myself that I was buying Tom's shoes for my daughters and paying a little bit more per pair of shoes only because I knew that Tom's had a greater mission and they were delivering uh, birthing kits to different uh, tribes in Africa and they were giving away um, all of their, you know, so many of their, uh, for every pair of shoes that you bought, they gave away a pair of shoes to someone that was homeless or that didn't have shoes. And I thought to myself, I was like, why am I, you know, loyal to Tom's, why am I paying more money? And ultimately it's because I, if I'm going to spend my money, it's okay for me to spend, you know, 10% more if I know that it's going to a company that's going to have a greater impact on our world. And I think that kind of buyer decision is kind of new. I don't think that's something that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a company I'm working with right now. It's a big fortune 100 company and they've donated something like $14 million in 2017 to all of these causes and nobody knows about it. And I said, you know, I understand the idea that you don't wow. throw it in people's face, but if people knew about it, like not only would they, would you get more contributions, but you would probably inspire more people to, to have a loyalty to your brand. And so that's, Absolutely. that's something that I tell people kind of put out there, you know, front and center. And it's not about bragging about, hey, I do this. It's saying we care enough and care about you that this is what we do. And I think if you're able to take that approach with social good, I think you could definitely tap into that Gen Z uh, millennial market because they, they not only, you know, this is something that's funny because I have a Tom's book bag that I, uh, that I wear and uh, I, there's other book bags that I love to wear a little bit more. And people will ask me sometimes like, Brian, why are you wearing that book bag? 
And I'll say because it, it garners questions about a company that's doing greater good. That company's not paying me. They've ne- I've never got a penny from Tom's. They never gave me a discount on a pair of shoes. But I became almost like that brand advocate loyalty that we were talking about with Apple. I came with that to Tom's because even brands like Chipotle talks about, you know, they plant trees for all the trees. There's another company, uh, and it's probably my favorite social media the 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 user handles are we are cisco so if you if uh it's cisco the networking company enterprise but they they actually highlight their employees other so their entire employees take over their accounts they do all of these amazing things but one thing they do really almost monthly these different things with habitat to humanity and they just bring you along. They do live videos. They interview there. You'll see the CEO there working in the background. And I tell you what, like I, I've said it for a long time. I don't have very much interest to go back to work for an enterprise company, but I would work for Cisco because they highlight their employees. They trust their employees, but they also have a social good element that's kind of baked into what they do. And so I think, I think all brands could take, uh, take a lesson from that. Good stuff. Good stuff. I have one last question, and I'm going to let you go. Okay. What are the major What are the major social media trends for 2018? So, what are the? I'm sorry. What was the question? The major social media trends for 2018. All right. So it's going to be pretty easy. Video, 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 and more video. Um, <laughs> and there, and this is scary for many. And um, you know, I the stat that I use is actually from Cisco, and says. You know, 81% of internet by 2020 will be video. So 81% of all internet traffic will be video. Now, here's the caveat. Nowhere do they say that'll be good video. You know, it's going to be a lot of... He's running about it, and the reason I say video, video, video is it takes a lot be good at what video works and so i don't i I say it's a trend for 2018 expect all of a sudden your youtube channel is going to blow up or your facebook lives are going to get a whole bunch of people but i believe you need to start creating video now so that as the audience starts to mature and understand that you know we already consume video everywhere from our phone to our laptop to our our tablet but i think if you start video now you'll kind of get the ball rolling. And I also believe video is the gateway drug into virtual reality, augmented reality, and some of these these technologies that are truly on the future. But I will challenge everyone, and this is you know, one of the presentations I give, the, the title is simply press the damn button. And I, and I tell everybody, press the damn button. Get, get, you have to get over your fear of video. You have to, um, and, you know, I, I, up until March of 2014, I had eight videos on my YouTube channel and I fell in love with live video an app called Meerkat came out and then Periscope and Facebook live. And since then I've done 2000 live videos and I can tell you I'm, I'm comfortable today, but it took a long time for me to get comfortable with the live video concept with what works, what doesn't work, how to do it with, you know, and and do it well. You know, I've launched, uh, I helped launch IBM, Dell, Samsung, SAP, I helped launch all of their Facebook Live accounts. And the, the craziest thing is 
the number one response after we launch their account, the number one response I get is, <laughs> wow, Brian, it's simply that easy, isn't it? It is. But we oftentimes put a roadblock in front of ourselves to actually do it. So this is my challenge to everyone that's out there. You know, 2018 is, is definitely a year you want to embrace video yourself. And then the second part of the, I think, a trend that we need to kind of look at is that it's no longer about build it and they will come, right? I, I, I like to say the field of dreams marketing is broken. It's no longer build it and they will come. If you build a Facebook page, if you build a website, nobody's coming. You actually have to go to where they're at and start having conversations. And so I think another trend we're going to see is, you know, influencer marketing has definitely taken off. But I will, I will put some eggs in a, in a basket that employee empowerment is actually going to grow because we're going to start to realize that we can't be everywhere our customers are as a marketing team, but we have enough employees that work for us that are, that are everywhere that we're going to start to, to leverage our employees. It's like, hey, if you're a software developer and you work for a company and you're using this, this forum or you're watching Twitch, you know, like, hey, what are, you, what are you seeing? Like, start gathering feedback. And so I... I think a trend we're going to see is we're going to see employees of all departments, of all walks of life, starting to share data and insights back to the marketing team so that we have a better idea of where our customer is and what they're talking about. Because this idea that, you know, you know, the rumors of even Facebook even taking more of organic reach away, we're going to we're going to look at things and realize that it's going to be you're going to have to have an advertising and a social spend. But you're also going to have to take things a little differently in a couple of different areas. I love I that. I that haven't really thought about the employee empowerment um, that much, but I can. Um, I I think that actually makes a lot of sense. And for what I do, particularly working with franchise brands, working with franchisees and enabling them to be more empowered on social makes a whole lot more sense. So anyway, thank you so much, Brian, for your time. And uh, we definitely have to do coffee together when you're in the, the Reston Herndon area. But thank you so much for your time. It was great talking with you. It was my pleasure. Awesome, Thanks again. Awesome. Yes, we, we live close day. enough. We will, I'll definitely take you up on that call. Bye-bye. All right, you too. Cheers.